Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. It's a beautiful, rainy day here in New York City. It's a spring day. The birds are chirping so loud I had to close the window. <laughs> I got my second... Fly with us! Fly with us! Fly with us! <laughs> Come on, I can't yet. <laughs> Give me a couple thousand years of evolution. Give me some time to evolve. I can either do it telepathically or I'll grow wings through practice. Give me a fucking second. <laughs> That's I need telepathy and a good updraft, and I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you heard the tale of Icarus? <laughs> Close the window on the birds. Beautiful spring day otherwise. <laughs> Besides the peer pressure of my winged yeah. friends. <laughs> Ambition, they yelled. Caution, I retorted. <laughs> um, shit. Anyway, um... <laughs> So uh, a couple days ago, two days ago, as of this recording, I got my second vaccine. Yeah. uh, Which is very exciting. I just want to say again at the top of the show, if you can get a vaccine, please go get a vaccine. It's uh, it's really wonderful to know that very soon I will be able to return to the world of, I don't know, just civilization in general. But that said, uh, I had a very interesting time yesterday because, you know, second day uh, side effects really hit, which was very interesting. Um, I was watching your stream. You're doing your Nuzlocke Let's Play of uh, Pokemon Emerald, which is available on our YouTube if you want to watch that. But uh, I was I was watching it and I just like fever shakes, aches, like the whole nine. And then like some like halfway through your stream, it was like a wave just went over my body. It literally took like two seconds and I felt yeah. it. Uh, where it was just like everything left and then I suddenly felt perfectly okay. And I got up and I started doing stuff. But uh, yesterday I, I pretty much like resigned myself to just playing video games all day just like in oh, anticipation yeah. of doing this episode um and trying to decide what to bring and one of the things i played is one of the things that you have now finished which is wild <laughs> Whoops. um and that is fantasian which we want to do a little follow-up on because uh, you have <laughs> again you've now finished it i've played like way more I've, i'm i think i'm like 10 hours in or something like that at this point so how, how are you feeling about it now that it's over i also want to say i got my first shot and second one coming up soon so Hell yeah very exciting spring energy here yeah anyway fantasian i finished <laughs> i will say that this is i'm not going to spoil anything this is spoiler free but I will say, just as like, I think it's worth knowing this. It's not clear when you get it. It is part one of a two-part story. Yeah. And it's part one in a two-part story in the way that like act one of Les Mis is part one of a two-part story. Not in a Final Fantasy VII remake way where like, yes, that is the first installment of more chapters. But like, you could feel pretty good stopping there if you wanted to. You mm. probably will want more. But like that story, at least I think that FS7 remake without spoiling that. We have uh, two episodes on that game if you want to hear us talk about it. Yeah. And if you want to hear me cry about it, we've got that in the Game of the Year episode from 2020. I'd probably cry on all three, honestly. Anyway, that works as like a standalone thing. This very much ended on like, a, oh, oh, that was part one. It's like really like when you play Final Fantasy 7 through 9 on the PS1 and you reach the end of disc one. Yeah. And it's usually like, okay, shit's getting real. Please insert disc two. This is that, but it's like, uh, come back soon. <laughs> you oh my know? God. So, I didn't um, realize it felt that abrupt. That's that's interesting. It is and it isn't because I think that you and I were kind of debating why they split into two parts. One 
some very good guesses that it could just not be finished yet. Uh, for those who don't know, who maybe didn't listen to our episode last week, Fantasian is made by Mistwalker, the studio that was created by the creator of Final Fantasy. They've worked on stuff like Blue Dragon, Lost Odyssey. This is their latest passion project that is very much like um, if my elevator pitch is like a classic Final Fantasy game that feels very mechanically fresh and also takes place in real life dioramas that they've like taken drone picture. I think they use drones to take pictures. Yeah, it's like Google these, Maps. Yeah, of these dioramas. So like the settings have this like really, really cool kind of complement to the 3D avatars of the characters. Um, We described it last week as like the artistic evolution of the pre-rendered backgrounds in like yeah. FF7 through 10. Really cool game. So yeah, part one ends in a way. It says like part two will come out soon. I think it's coming out this year. Like, they haven't said like when, but it seems to be confirmed this year. I saw, I saw an interview where they said they wanted to come out this year. Like it's, it's planned for uh, like towards like fall or winter. Your save will carry over. And what is cool is that once you watch the credits, they're like, you can keep playing part one. We've like we've resumed right before the last thing you did mm. and you can go explore and like do all the optional fights and like yeah. level up and, and all that progress will carry over into part two. If you want to do that, I finished it at like 18 hours and like, yeah, I did not do many side quests. Honestly, the side quests in this game are like kind of lame. They're just yeah. sort of like, where's <laughs> my son? And then you find his son and he's like, okay, there's one worth doing where it upgrades the capacity of the dimension. Super worth it. Oh, wow. What is it so, upgraded to? Cause so when you first get the dimension, which just, I guess a quick refresher. Yeah. Um, when you're running around, instead of like running into random battle encounters, uh, it'll take all of those enemies and put them in like a device that you have called the dimension. And when it hits, 30 initially uh that's when like the dimension overflows and you have to fight all 30 of those enemies at once or at any time before it hits 30 you could just fight those enemies so i have found a lot of instances in which i just run around the world collect like 29 enemies and then go near a save point so i can use a heal stone and then fight 29 enemies at once which has been it's really fun too because as we talked about last week it's meant to be played i think with touch controls of some kind. So on your phone yeah. or on a tablet. And a lot of your characters will have various attacks that might be able to like do an arc that like hit a bunch of enemies in a line or maybe do like an area of effect. So you're kind of blasting through groups of enemies in the dimension. So it's not as daunting as it sounds. Yeah. Uh, it upgrades it to 40 in my instance. Oh, okay. So yeah. I imagine that will continue as the game progresses where you can like slowly ramp it up. And uh, yeah, so... All in all, I really had a great time. I mean, I beat it in a week, so that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Right. Our critiques of the narrative last week, I think, still stand. It's kind of this case that a lot of people have commented on where it's like, there's a lot of stuff happening that is like very derivative of a classic Final Fantasy game, but this is made by the guy who created Final Fantasy. So it's like kind of like hard to critique, really. Mm, Um, Yeah. And I think what really redeems the narrative for me is that I think that the characters are a lot of fun, even if like... uh, sometimes scenes can be hit or miss i do really like the cast they all like yeah feel like they have fun design and they play off each other well the game at this point kind of just like strings you along where you end up having to play with everyone who can join your party and what i really like is that all the bosses especially feel really tightly designed around what abilities those characters have yes so i i have this feeling that part one is kind of like a low-key tutorial for when part two uh you get a message at the end of part one this is part two is going to be much more open and like you, you'll be able to explore more freely so it's less of a linear adventure yeah which i'm very curious how that will play out but i think i can't help but think that that will involve like okay i have more freedom over like 
who's in my party. Uh, Without spoiling mechanically what happens, I would compare this game to Hades in the way that in Hades, as you play the game, you are slowly given more and more options with the combat that you're like, oh my God, I can do this now? This is so cool. And like in Fantasian, that happens a little bit more slowly but it does happen where like whether it's getting a new character who fights in a way that is like really cool and clever or you're suddenly given more freedom over like how to level up a character Ooh. all of that is like really well done i find the combat in this game and like the like inventory management and like customization to be like stellar like a plus like yeah. really really good and the settings just get cooler and cooler so like there's a moment that hey a uh, quick plug to our two friends adam and dom who do a a great movie podcast called eye of the duck where basically they on that show they will try to find the scene of a movie that kind of like captures the vibe it's based off a david lynch quote where he says every movie has what he calls an eye of the duck scene anyway plug aside i can't stop thinking about that when it comes to video games now yeah me too and like anything i watch i try to find the eye of the duck and there's a moment in fantasian where someone is explaining to him like there are two gods and one god wants this and leo goes oh my god i don't care i just want to save my friends like i truly <laughs> cannot give a shit about what you're saying and that to me was the game's way of being like we know you don't care about this what you're yeah. here for are the characters and the setting and just having fun right that's interesting i, I i'm i'm glad to hear that weirdly enough because i was wondering how long they were going to play this out for where it's just like every time there's any kind of uh plot device that happens i'm just like yeah this is not very exciting honestly and and to it's know that not. the game is is like kind of self-aware in that regard i think is really nice actually i think so i mean i that might be me reading into it too far because i think that like they're still committing to these beats that are like not working you know like <laughs> yeah the the stakes of the adventure and like what's happening with the story are like very okay but like you also have like really fun robot friends who are just mm-hmm. the best uh you've got like really kind of tongue-in-cheek dialogue that doesn't like debase the moment but it is sort of like recalibrates where your focus is you know i think like yeah i think the game is aware of what its strengths are and at the very least i am enjoying the strengths of the game more than i am put off by the weaker parts of the story Mm. yeah 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 totally yeah i i have just like continued to have a great time with it the more i've played um i i have not finished it because i needed to devote some time to something you know things that weren't fantasian but uh i i'm really excited to go back and 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 probably finish it soon uh maybe this week because I mean, it really does make me feel like I finally am like fully on board with a Final Fantasy game, like even though it's technically not one, you know, like looking back at, you know, the the experience at least that you shared on the show about like playing each of the Final Fantasy games, like when they come out and being like fully enraptured by them is very much how I feel about Fantasia. And it's like, oh, yes, yes, yes. This is what it must have always felt like to be a Final Fantasy fan when a new one comes out. The closest I've ever gotten is with 15. And like even that was I don't know, that doesn't really count in my opinion, uh, (laughs) weirdly enough, but this this feels like the first time where it's like yes i'm i'm fully in like i feel like the same exact we're gonna have the same feeling when 16 comes out if that's good you know Um, yeah yeah and i think and that's you know the the creator sakaguchi said in an interview where he really wanted to like go back to his roots with fantasian and it really does feel that way like i said last week it really feels like if octopath traveler is like a weird kind of revival of six this is like a revival of like seven eight and nine and ten yeah it's it's interesting i think you mentioned last week he had an interview where he he went back and played four like that was like the big inspiration point for this game and like i'm i'm in the middle of playing four also and like i'm not feeling final fantasy four at all in this video (laughs) game 
game. I really am. It really does feel like seven, eight, nine. Because has a good story. <laughs> well, the thing about four I would compare this to is both games are like really well paced. Like mm. four and Fantasian, they they just keep going in a way that I think makes the adventure very exciting. Yeah, especially for I mean, four is a RPG from 1991, 1992, maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and like that game does not waste your fucking time. Like it kicks off right away. Cecil expresses doubt about being work. You know, he's wearing like a skull helmet. He's like, am I a bad guy? And then, <laughs> and like immediately quits. You know, he immediately yeah. quits. And then the king is like, okay, we'll do one last mission for me. Deliver this package to a town. And it's secretly a bomb and the town blows up. And it's like, it's committing to things that are very effective. Like, I think that's the difference. Like four, while it is also kind of cheesy and tongue in cheek, like I think we did an episode about four a while ago. And I think I would consider four to be the first like Final Fantasy as we know the series and mm-hmm. i think that four and six at the time they came out were really at the forefront of like telling a very heavy story in a time that games weren't really tackling those themes yet yeah you know the idea of like playing as the bad guy for the beginning of an rpg was like a really bold step i think right you know yeah totally and uh Fantasia's like a little bit more comfortable just being like, okay, we're going to have fun and be silly. The biggest question mark is like, is those visual novel moments where like they have those memories. And like, as we said last week, some of them are just straight up, like not good. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And And then they, they completely like hijack the video game for a bit while they're happening as well. Yeah. There are Um, a couple that like they, they range from like bad to functional to like, Oh, that was actually kind of nice. Yeah. And again, the music in this game, it just gets better and better. Like as you get to, the different settings are like a little bit more out there it is like nobuo Uematsu's score here is like unbelievable yeah it's like easily one of my favorites at least of the stuff that i've heard the there's a um one of the i guess it's the second city you go to is vents this the, the city of water and there's yeah. like a beat drop in the song that plays when you're hanging out in vents that like literally right now as a recording i'm like humming in my head i can't get yeah. it out of my head and i haven't been able to for like three weeks or two weeks or however long it's been it's very interesting because i I feel like if Sakaguchi is going back to his roots, Umatsu is like completely just like breaking walls yeah, down. Just like he's, bailing. Yeah. he's just like doing anything he hasn't done before. Yeah. He, I think he even said in an interview, he was like, I, uh, they're incorporating uh, improvisation in the recording sessions more and you can definitely hear it. Like, mm. There are some boss themes where they just start jamming and it's like so cool. Yeah. And the genres that are, co- I mean, that's always been his strength. I think like in our episode about game soundtracks, I, I brought up Final Fantasy VII soundtrack when it's like, you've got like reggae inspired music in parts of Midgar. Mm-hmm. Then you've got like, you know, like it sounds like you're listening to Rush all of a sudden. And then <laughs> like, you know, and then there's like the classic orchestral stuff with the Sephiroth theme, like such a range of genre and talent. And that's the thing. And you know, that's what I keep coming back to with Fantasia is like, you could see sense how much fun they were having when they made it or at least yes. i hope they were but like at the very least you can sense the passion behind it no one on earth would make dioramas unless they were really excited to <laughs> right yeah and that, that's know? exactly uh it just gets back to what i was talking about last week where like even before the release and like reading those interviews with with sakaguchi it was like this just feels like a kind of creative spark moment for Mistwalker as like a studio it like just feels like they're just kind of uh you know training wheels off making whatever the fuck they want um and and that's those are usually the instances in which people make the best stuff you know uh yeah and I, i'm really i'm really stoked about it you know sometimes Sometimes we have a habit of saying things that come true on the show. So I want to do my best to make this happen. Uh, <laughs> I, ha- I, have a th- I have a feeling and a theory that 
when part two comes out, the game will be released to other systems. Namely, I think Switch and PC would just make the most sense because I think yeah. that like using the Switch's touch controls that are secretly there that everyone forgets about would be cool. <laughs> uh, I love that the Switch just secretly has the DS and the Wii in it. It's so good. Anyway, um, and then on PC, you know, I think with a mouse, this game would also play well. There have been, I know you said you didn't really like it with the controller. There are people in the Discord who have been playing with a controller and said it's fine. So like, you know, it's all subjective, obviously. But I, I, I was happy to hear that just because I think that that doesn't limit what it could potentially come out on. Two things to say there. Uh, first of all, on uh, at least, you know, because it's on Apple Arcade. So that means that it also works on Mac. I played it on Mac for a while uh, before we recorded last week with a mouse. It's really good. It's like really yeah. great with a mouse. Um, so just a heads up there and, and keyboard as well, because you can just use like keyboard controls to bring up um, all the menus and stuff and then use the mouse to move around and click on things. And it just feels a lot like using a touchscreen. But now is maybe a good time to mention that I did get the Backbone controller in, which if you don't know about the Backbone, um, it's essentially like a an iPhone-specific controller. It just feels honestly like if Apple were to make a gaming controller, like if they really wanted to focus on like, you know, turning Apple Arcade into like one of their like most premium services and wanted to like really, really go the extra mile with it because most, if not all Apple Arcade games, I think have to work with a controller as well because they all have to run on Apple TV. This feels like what they would have made. And and I, I know the backbone like gets a, like a weird rap sometimes because, uh you know, th- their first initial launch was like, let's give it to Mr. Beast and to like, I don't know, like a PewDiePie adjacent person and things like that, you know, to show off like in videos that are sponsored. The thing is, though, is that the backbone like rules. It's really good. I, I've been using it um, for the past couple days. I got it in on, was it Thursday or Friday? And I've been playing a lot of stuff with it. And one of the things that I decided to play with it was Fantasian on my iPhone specifically because I used my my Xbox Elite controller to play it on Mac for a while and then also tried that on, on iPad. And it like, it worked. Like it was fine. And playing it with the backbone specifically on iPhone for a while, like like really putting more time into it, I started to understand why it feels good on a controller. I think it really just was like an instance in which I didn't put enough time in with, yeah. with the Xbox controller. Um, so playing it with backbone, eventually like two or three hours in, I was like, yes, this feels very, very natural. Um, and what's really wonderful about the backbone as well, or at least playing Fantasia with the backbone, is that it's pretty seamless to switch between touchscreen and controller if you want to because um, you can just like touch on the screen and then it'll switch to touch controls then you just like press a button on the backbone and it goes back to like controller which is really nice for certain instances in which I have like I want to you know go into the uh, inventory management and, like mess around with equipment and stuff like that like it's a lot easier to use the touchscreen for that and then I could just press a button and be back to using the controller so it's very seamless in that way which I really liked and and I would pretty much say almost exactly what I said last week like I still think controller is the weakest way to play Fantasian but it's still a really great way to play Fantasia. Yeah, right. Uh, it really works across everything. And, that, and again, just to double down on my point from last week again, like... I think it just goes to show why this is like the app for Apple Arcade. Like this is the best game that you could show off for why Apple Arcade is like a service that is worth existing even, you know, it's really great. And the fact that it works everywhere is really cool. And, and with the backbone specifically, I had a really good time with it. Yeah, I can, I can safely say this might be God. It's tough. Cause I mean, Apples and oranges with like Sinar Wild Hearts. And I don't even really think of that as like an Apple Arcade exclusive anymore because I played on a PS4. Me too. Yeah, yeah, I've played it more on Switch than I have on iPhone at this point. But I can say, you know, for the games that have remained exclusive, this is definitely my favorite. And I think going back to why it's part one and part two. And again, it could be as simple as like we need to make more dioramas. Give us a few months. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
I think there's also like I I saw I read some reviews on the Apple Store and I you know some discussion in the Discord and just sort of like look because I was like okay I beat this game I think I might be the only person who beat it already so like <laughs> can I talk to anyone about this like, yeah. is there anyone who's on my level uh, and uh, there's still a very present sense of like you know it's kind of an underhanded compliment but like a lot of the reviews are like finally a really good JRPG on mobile you know yeah, and yeah I kind of get that because like this really is like handling the genre in a way that I that I haven't experienced outside of like a console yeah. you know and I wonder if splitting it into two parts is like okay part one is like a pretty short digestible game that like is pretty easy to get into I saw a lot of people in the discord uh, and online like this is like their first kind of Final Fantasy like in a lot of ways mm. and it's honestly a pretty good one they, they say it so yeah. pretty well but quickly ramp it up so like you're getting you're getting to places both narratively and mechanically that would take like 30 hours in a different game totally know? yeah that's why I think it's I think it has the pacing of four where it's like, okay, like like that boss you just fought, the golem, is like the first taste of like the dial going up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a boss. Uh, I, I would say like seven to eight hours in that is like uh, essentially just like a big like earth golem that does like earth attacks, and it's like the first time you really have to think about your like elemental resistances and weaknesses and things like that. And it honestly feels a lot like a Lost Odyssey boss just without the like crushing crushing difficulty like it, it like i i was able to beat it in one go because you kind of gave me a heads up about what the boss was all about so like i knew to like get some like earth resistant crystals and stuff and like equip them to certain characters whatever you know i i did all the stuff i needed to but i i feel like in it, it, if i hadn't gotten that heads up I probably still would have been able to beat it like in one or two goes because I would have learned very yes. quickly about that. Whereas in Lost Odyssey, it's like really almost up to chance if you're able to beat some of those bosses, like regardless of how much prep time you yeah. have beforehand. I just feel like that game like wasn't well tuned for that kind of stuff. And Fantasian almost does feel like it is trying to be that on ramp to this entire genre all the way down to the way the UI works. You know, it's like really from the ground up. It, it's fucking spectacular. It's a really good yeah. game. And I think like most, bo- like the, there's maybe two bosses where I felt a little bit like, oh, is this, is this the wall? Is this it? Yeah. And uh, all the bosses, like every now and then I would level up like once or twice, mm. but I really don't think there's like a need to grind in this game. I think the dimension kind of like sands off those edges so well because totally. like, you, you know, it's, it's less about, I found it's less about what level you are and more about what abilities you have and how you're using them. Mm. A lot of the early bosses are like, oh, I might have like a couple minions in front of me. So like, how are you angling your attacks? Who are you attacking first? Yeah. There's a boss later on that just like poisons you and then eats the poison to charge. It's like a super breath. So oh, it's wow. like, okay, uh, I've got to prioritize like healing the poison before they can do that. So I can delay. Yeah. The using breath care a lot. Yeah. And you know, then, then it, there's usually like a dark soul second phase. Like, oh, they're angry now. Like, look out. It's like, ah, okay. <laughs> um, there's one where like a bird flaps its wings and like, it's going to knock you off a cliff if you like take too long, but like you can delay it by using a taunt attack. Really cool. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, that's fun. I, I like that they're built around strategy and not arbitrary numbers. Totally. Um, yeah. And I think that, again, I, I my dream is that part two is uh, now it's on other consoles. Um, this would be so cool on Switch for the reasons you just described the backbone working well. 
yeah I, man it, one-to-one for switch one right? of the things to say about the backbone is that it just really feels i mean it's almost the exact i'm using a, an iphone 12 pro worth mentioning um this controller on top of the iphone 12 pro is the almost exact same size as a switch light um because my partner has a switch light and i put one over the other to see how big it was it's like really switch light size and i think <laughs> it really does just go to uh, to highlight like how wonderful this game would be on switch if they were ever to do that i wonder if there's going to be the one year of exclusivity on it as well uh the same way i think there was i mean we it's apple so we will literally never know the like financials <laughs> or any of those things about it um unless like somebody slips up at some point but i i it seems like there's a 365 day exclusivity window so i so i wonder if fantasian part 2 will launch also only on apple arcade and then the whole package will launch on switch like early spring next year i could see yeah I just really would love more people to play this because it's really great. It's like a really great game and I think it's doing a lot of cool stuff that to me are like a really positive step for this genre of game. You know, I think especially with the combat. Yeah. One of the things that I I keep seeing and kind of uh, in the same vein as what you're talking about before, I I think I think the two like most frequent criticisms to see this, not even criticism, but the first one is just like for a mobile game, this is really good. It's like, well, there are a lot of really great mobile games. We talked a lot about that last week and I'm going to actually talk a little bit more about that later. But but uh, the, the other side of it is like, oh, man, it's it sucks that this is only on Apple Arcade. Like, it sucks that I have to, like, do this and, like, play this on an iPhone, whatever. It's like, it sucks that it's exclusive here. It's like, th- is that all? Is that only uh, criticism because it's Apple, you know, because it's Apple Arcade and, like, most people don't see Apple Arcade as, like, a real thing yet? Uh, like, the, right. it kind of feels that way. Like, if this launched only on PS5, for example, you know, do you think people would be, like, as upset about its exclusivity? I don't know. That, it's just every time I read that, I'm just like, this feels this feels weird. Like exclusives are just like a part of the industry. Like, unfortunately, I, I feel like it's an unfortunate thing, but like it's a reality, you know. Um, yeah. And as much as I want more people to play this, like, I don't know, I could I could see Apple being like, no, 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 we're going to pay you a shitload of money to never release this on the yeah, switch. I or mean, something. In the credits, it does say like produced by Apple and big font. So like, you yeah, know, OK, it, it could be. But. Either way, I think um, I, I just yeah, I would love this to be on other consoles. And I, I think there's a decent chance, given that it's Miss Walker, that we get a pretty big name, you know? Um, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Another thing, too, uh, in terms of criticisms, there's one puzzle in this game that can go straight to hell and never come back. Interesting. I, my my advice, you'll know. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you'll know it when it happens. You're like, oh, my God, is okay. this the puzzle? Take pictures of your phone or tablet or device you're playing on. Uh-huh. Uh, take a picture each time the puzzle changes because the puzzle is different every time. So you can't even look at a guide. And guess what? I'm the only person who's gone this far. So there is no <laughs> guide. <laughs> So take pictures of your phone. Okay. Otherwise, you'll go to hell with the puzzle. Well, luckily, there's a screenshot button on the backbone, so I'll be able to do that. Perfect. Even better. Yeah. Well, uh, big, uh, big. The witness vibes. Um, did I ever tell you about that? Oh, the final, final puzzle. The right? final puzzle, and the witness yeah. changes every single time. Uh, yeah. It's not even a puzzle. It's just like go here and do this. Mm. I, I won't tell you more, but it's it's dreadful. It almost ruined the game for me. Oh man! It, but right. you know, then then it picked up after. Obviously, that's good to know. Um, yeah, it's sort of like um every every final fantasy has to have that like in ff10 there's the like titus getting struck by lightning like for 20 minutes in mm-hmm. that field um <laughs> in uh, ff7 i guess it's catching a chocobo there's always that like what do we do what do we that, do that here? is the reason i stopped playing final fantasy 7 the first time <laughs> was because it, i i just completely like didn't understand how that was supposed to work 
Yeah, um, I'll, and, I'll catch one for you when we hang out in person next. Oh, I, ha- I have one now, thankfully. But uh, Oh, good. I actually, maybe we'll talk about this later, but I, I'm actually thinking about starting Final Fantasy VII again soon uh, from the beginning, uh, this time on iOS because of the backbone, and it works with that. Oh, um, fun. But anyway, do you want to take a break and then uh, come back and we'll talk a little bit more about mobile stuff? That sounds good. Cool. Play Fantasian if you can. It's good. Play Fantasian if you can. Goodbye. Goodbye. Dear listener... Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. What has been mere moments for you has been actually two and a half hours of Steven and I just hanging out as per <laughs> usual. <laughs> yeah, we caught it early. Is this another day where we just talk for like a few hours in between breaks? Yeah, it is. Whoops. It, ver- it very much is. We like had a whole episode that is just, you know, lost to time that we just recorded like in between the last segment and this one. Uh, right. But so grateful to be back. So happy to be back. How about you? Are you feeling good? I'm feeling great. I mean, without saying too much, in the interim, we caught up as friends. We talked about uh, potential goals for the show, and we mm-hmm. planned two months of bonuses. So, like, I'm in. Yeah, yeah I'm feel I'm feeling good. I'm feeling I'm feeling good about where we I are. I cleaned my pan. I had made uh, bacon and eggs this morning for breakfast, and I Hell cleaned yeah. my cast iron. Whatever. That's great. Love to clean a cast iron. It's a it's a nice like ritualistic process. I really I really enjoy doing it. Except for the part where you just have to like leave the heat on for a while. You know, you just have to like leave the pan on heat for a little bit. It's like, oh man, I'm gonna forget one day. I looked up like how like what's the way to clean a cast iron. So there's a lot of like, oh, you can't ever put water in it. You can't use soap. It's like you can clean it. You can as long as you don't like rinse it or or as long as you don't let it soak in the sink or put it in the dishwasher, you're probably okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you just you just have to be very diligent about heating all of the water off of it quickly. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, cast iron cleaning aside. <laughs> you want to talk about video games a bit? I would love to. Um, I do want to mention. So yesterday, as, as I mentioned, um, <laughs> recovering from <laughs> cast iron cleaning was really funny. Yeah. That, that, that's its own little chapter marker. in uh, Yeah. In your podcast app of choice. Um, Anyway, (laughs) Uh, yesterday I spent my day just like enjoying the symptoms of having um, a a second vaccine running through my blood. Um, So that was that was a cool, good time. Um, And while I was like sweating profusely and um, watching your Twitch stream, I was also playing video games (laughs) on Uh my backbone controller for my apple iphone and i have to say i want i want to be upfront. we're not sponsored by backbone i'm not telling you to go buy one there are other options available razor makes one called the kishi that people seem to absolutely love i think it's a little bulky looking doesn't look as like clean as as the backbone does but it's apparently very good and i think is also cheaper so just a heads up there but i have had the wildest experience with the backbone because it, it has i'm already a person who's predisposed to like enjoy mobile games i think as you and i have talked about a lot on the show specifically last week even mobile games kind of get a bad rap overall i i think you know because people just uh, expect it to be like um you know nightmare family guy match three yeah exactly family guy <laughs> match three or like uh i guess just to go even deeper like american, american dad, dad casino match yeah. three. <laughs> It's just a slot machine with like the alien's face on it, you know, um, yeah. and like that's the whole video game. I I have found that there are some really wonderful mobile experiences that have always existed alongside all of that stuff. It's just you have to like do a little bit of digging and like kind of like be following the right people on Twitter or something to be able to find that stuff. The backbone has really changed my view on, I think, the iPhone and just like phones in general 
mobile devices in general as like a gaming platform um because i've always seen things like i know i know dead cells and like rogue legacy and all of these like indie games that we love are like available on iphone and i've always thought like that seems like a horrible way to play that using like touch controls you know like imagine playing dead cells using like virtual sticks like i just it just seems like rough it just seems really rough i know there are people who do it and like love it but i I, i've never been able to buy into that personally like i just wouldn't do that you know especially if i have another way of playing a game like that uh for example is also available on mobile things like that and uh i have now played all of those games the three that i just mentioned with the backbone controller on my phone and it's like completely changed the way i think about this as like a platform it's really interesting i went back and i also played a bunch of the stuff that we talked about last week uh, a lot of the apple arcade games like i went back and like just checked them out with the backbone to see how they worked with the controller dude clap hands golf steven <laughs> uh-huh like hidden gem of that of that launch yeah la- i said uh, to play it last week it is so good with a controller like i highly recommend like connect your controller to your computer or your ipad or whatever and play that because holy shit with the touch controls it's like it's like fine but it ends up being like weirdly convoluted with a mouse it's like even worse because they're like assigning like keyboard controls and there's like no way to remember that like the w key is going to let you see like the overhead shot of the of the hole you know whatever uh with a controller very natural just feels exactly like hot shots golf everybody's golf whatever it's just on your phone but uh i, I i've gone through and played a bunch of stuff i've been playing some emulated stuff as well i won't talk <gasps> about that too much but i've been playing some emulated stuff as well I just feel like the phone has always been like a very capable way of playing video games. It's just like I haven't had the like avenue of, you know, controls, like really like actual like right. control to play those things uh, or to play like really like high intensity shit. And and the backbone has like really kind of opened my eyes to it. Like I, I hate to bring it up again, uh, but Call of Duty Mobile like is the <laughs> is the best call of duty game like easily um and with a controller is like a night and day experience it's already wildly good on the phone cuz it's literally it's like everything that you like about call of duty and none of the shit that you hate you know like i i think i talked on the show about call of duty modern warfare cuz i got the game like very much on sale was curious where the franchise had been after a long time the newer um, one right the yeah, new the most recent warfare. one yeah yeah, yeah. And found it so disgusting so quickly. Like the campaign was like the most off-putting, like horrible shit. Yeah. It had like the most questionable, like disgusting politics. It was just like a really like rough time. And then the multiplayer was like fine. It was like pretty good, but it just felt like a lot of other stuff. Um, Call of Duty Mobile is only the multiplayer side of things and is like more arcadey even than the original Call of Duty Modern Warfare. It yeah. just is so fun always and is so silly. And I really love it. And with a controller, it's like even better. It just feels yeah. like a full ass like Call of Duty multiplayer game just on your phone. So I like, can't recommend it enough. Weirdly enough, I really enjoy it. But the the thing that I've been playing more than anything else and the thing that has like really kind of been like a shock to the system for me is Genshin Impact, which is a game that I've been meaning to play for a really long time. Yeah. You and I had a conversation about it, like when it launched, because you and I both downloaded it for PS4, I think, right? Yeah, I. so this game was a huge hit. I don't know. Is it still very active? I'm not quite sure. On and off, I think. Yeah. I'm not super sure. I know I can say this much. Our, we had a Discord channel specifically for Genshin Impact that has now been sent to the archives because nobody else is talking about it in the Discord <laughs> anymore. So, like, it's definitely not that active. Either way, when it when it launched, it was a huge hit worldwide and yeah. is a gotcha game that is, like, I guess, like, team-based RPG in, like, a very Breath of the Wild-inspired setting. I downloaded it for PS4 and played it for, like, maybe 20 minutes 
minutes and like knew I didn't give it enough time to have an opinion, but also never really felt compelled to go back. Yes. That's kind of where I left it. So I just was like, eh, I don't know. And then like, I've heard great things, but I've also heard like the like kind of end game monetization is questionable. And like, yeah, I just wasn't really like, look, we play a lot of games to the show and like, I don't give a game like a fixed amount of time to get my attention. But if I play it for 20 minutes and I don't want to go back, I can take that as a sign that maybe yeah. it's not for me. Right. That being said, I've always kind of been curious to go back because I know a lot of people who really like it and I've seen footage of it and it has a lot of things that I think I would really enjoy, mm-hmm. um, but I just haven't really gone back. So I'm very curious how it's been for you. Yeah. The, the thing about Kenshin Impact for me, I, I'll say this much. I've played now two games with really bad intros that people think gets much better after the, after that intro. One of them is Outriders, which I then like played two to three hours of and and will not be talking about on this podcast is, is kind of my <laughs> one sentence uh, take on Outriders. But the other one is Genshin Impact, which I think has a really like abysmal intro because I, I had the same exact experience as you. I downloaded yeah. it on the PS4, started playing it for like a, a half hour, something like that. Really did not like it. I was like, yeah. this feels like Breath of the Wild in all the wrong ways. Like, I, right, I, I just right. am not into it. I was also, like, kind of bumping up against the uh, the the gotcha mechanics in there. Yeah. Um, and, like, just knowing that it's going to start asking me for money eventually. Um, there was also a piece of it that was, like, they also announced that it's coming out on the Nintendo Switch eventually, which I was interested in. And knowing that the PS4 save file wouldn't carry over anywhere else was, like, kind of a deterrent to keep playing it on PS4 for me. Right. Um, so I was like, let me wait for it to come out on Switch, and then I'll give it a fair shake eventually. Like that, that was kind of my thought. It's now been, I don't even know how long the switch version is still like, yeah, yeah, the the switch version is nowhere to be seen still. There's no even like inkling of when it's coming out. Like there's nothing about it. Um, With the backbone on my phone, it's essentially the size of a switch light. So I was like, maybe now is the time to check it out. Also, you know, if I make an account on my phone, it'll carry over to the switch eventually, which is nice. So like I I could, you know, continue my progress if if the switch version ends up being really wonderful. And what I have found very quickly is that Genshin Impact on my phone is unbelievable. (laughs) It's yeah, I love this game and I'm so conflicted about it for all the same reasons that you and I were conflicted about it before. You know, like I, I haven't run into any instances in which they're asking me for money from what it seems like I'll be able to play most of the game solo without having to spend any money anyway. They're going to give me a lot of uh, like pulls of the gotcha machine anyway for free. So like that's fine. I will say that the one thing that I, ha- I have found to not be as much of an issue as I thought it would be is the Breath of the Wild inspiration stuff, you know, is like this idea that it's kind of just like ripping off Breath of the Wild, which I think is kind of like permutated a lot of the uh, conversation around the game. I don't think that that's as much of an issue. Like the things that in which this game compares to Breath of the Wild are literally like you have a glider, you have a stamina meter when you're climbing stuff and it's like an open world that kind of looks like uh, Hayao Miyazaki adjacent and like, yes. Yeah. That's like kind of it, honestly. Outside yeah. of that, the game is like combat focused, very much like story based and honestly just feels a lot like an MMO that doesn't have any other characters in it. It feels a lot like and this is why I think I like it so much. Final Fantasy 12 just in like mm. a really like beautiful environment. You know, it, it takes the right things from Breath of the Wild and like just kind of like does its own thing alongside of that. So like I, I kind of like disagree a little bit with a lot of the Breath of the Wild comparisons. I think it's an mm. easy way to like talk about the game. And, and I went back and listened to like a lot of like podcast discussions about Genshin Impact when it came out to just like see how people thought about it when it came out. And and that was a lot of the a lot of the rhetoric about it was like, oh, it just seems like this company's ripping off Breath of the Wild. And I don't really feel that because honestly, 
what I found very early on, as soon as I got past the intro was like, you are this character who gets like teleported to this world, you know, this like new different world that is like a different universe or whatever than the one that you come from. And and you're just like in this kind of like beautiful, um, like medieval fantasy kind of space that like honestly feels a little bit Final Fantasy adjacent at times. And you just like start making friends, uh, essentially. Like there's like, you're looking for uh, your sibling. Uh, there's a big dragon that's attacking a, a city and you're like, I might as well help these people because like I have the ability to do that. And while you're doing that, you just like make a bunch of friends and your party gets bigger. And like, that's cool. And at any time you can go out into the open world and you can like go explore and do whatever you want and like solve puzzles. There's like Ghost of Tsushima adjacent uh, side quests where like instead of chasing a fox, you'll chase like a big like ghost who will like go and like lead you to some stuff that'll help you out. It just feels really open and really natural. And one one of the things that I think I really like about it that I'm surprised by is that it's so overwhelming. There's so much stuff to do in this game and a lot of it isn't explained, but like is easy enough to figure out that if you like take the time to kind of just like sit there and like talk to a vendor for a while, like you'll understand what the role is in the game and like why you want them to exist. But it really does feel at times like an entire MMO where they just give you the entire space with like almost no explanation, just kind of like let you run wild and like you'll just like figure it out as you continue playing or like spend time in the communities online or whatever which like i don't really intend on doing because right now my experience with the game has been i just run around and i do side quests for all the characters that i've met uh and they're like surprisingly really well written and really good like all these characters are like really interesting Mm. and fun i just like for example i just met this guy who like is like really hot and has an eye patch and like is like (laughs) one of the like knights dimitri yeah he's essentially uh he's like one of the knights who like uh like kind of uh, maintains order in this one uh, this one like center capital like your first like starting town which is like absolutely stunning looking and when you first meet him he's like yeah I'm a descendant of pirates that's why I have an eye patch uh, I'm looking for some like pirate treasure and I'm gonna need I don't you. need this it's fashion do you get it or not yeah, that's essentially what he says yeah. and he's like I, I have some treasure that I need you to go find some like pirate treasure and I've like found a clue and like I think maybe you're the person to help me because I I can't go looking for it because it would be like too much of a uh, too much of a thing if I like left this like knight's center to go like searching for treasure people would like ask too many questions I can't be seen doing this but you can go do this I can send you to do it <laughs> I can't wear an eye patch and look for treasure I can't be that right. obvious and can you go like, instead very much his vibe so he, he sends you out to go find some treasure and you're like running around you're like climbing windmills and stuff and like finding treasure chests all over the place and like each one has like a map that leads you to another piece of treasure and when you get there eventually like to this you, you, you find like a dungeon which like are kind of work like the shrines in breath of the wild in a way but like don't have the same mechanics or like rewards or anything like that um they're just like cool places for you to like traverse you go find this dungeon you get all the way to the end of it and when you get to what is supposed to be the treasure this like bandit shows up and is like thanks for leading me here i've been following you the whole time i'm gonna steal this treasure from you and then as soon as he shows up your friend with the eye patch shows up and he's like yeah, man, the whole thing was fake. I just did this whole thing just to lead you here so I could capture you. I've been trying to capture you for like months. And then your your character is just like, you lied to us the whole time. He's like, yeah, dude, I don't know who you are. Do you think I wear this eye patch for fashion? Like, are you an idiot? I'm just here to capture this guy. He sucks. I, we got to throw him in jail. <laughs> and it's I like, yeah, that. that's great. I was so shocked by that because I just thought it was like, 
classic like RPG quest shit, you know, and then yeah. it ended up having a turn. And I found that a lot of the characters have instances like that. I don't want to spoil any of the other ones. I think that one is so good, but I don't want to spoil the other ones. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But every character is like that well-rounded and I've been so surprised by it at times. I've heard the characters in the lore are really fun, which has kind of been my interest in the game. Yes, that's the other thing. It's like the world feels so good to be in and I gotta say on my, I'm again, I'm using the iPhone 12, which like it's the latest iPhone. So like, of course, it's gonna have like really like good shit in there. I, I've heard that it runs really well on pretty much like most phones that it runs on, but it is beautiful. Like this world is so pretty. I enjoy playing this on the iPhone way more than I enjoyed playing it on the PS4. Like yeah. the PS4 weirdly like chugged and like had frame rate issues and stuff. And on the iPhone, it works perfectly. I yeah. am so surprised by it, but I think this is a game that I'm going to like actually play a lot. And I don't think I'm going to put a whole lot of money into it. If at all, I I'm of the mindset that like, if I'm playing a free to play game and I like it enough, I'll eventually put money into it. Like, because I want to yeah. like reward the developers for doing a good job. Essentially Genshin impact is not a game that needs my money. I think it was the first month or two. They made like a hundred million dollars, like immediately yeah, they've, they've crossed over a billion. I think at this point it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. They've made an unbelievable amount of money. I, I mean, like, I think right now or maybe a month ago they were like doing a deal with like KFC where like if you went to KFC in Japan uh, you would get like Genshin Impact shit anyway point being I have been very surprised by how much I like this game and I think I'm going to be playing it a whole lot it is kind of everything that I like I mean I, I hate to keep making the comparison but it's kind of everything I like about Breath of the Wild just like plus like a more interesting, believe it or not, like more lived in world. Like when I go and I am out in the middle of the woods somewhere and like there's a character that I go talk to every once in a while, you'll go meet a character like in the woods and you'll go talk to them and they'll just be like, I, uh, who are you? I don't want to talk to you. Get it. Get away from me. I'm here like doing research or whatever. <laughs> and like, I feel like in almost every other video game, it would be like, let me just hit you with tons of lore. Yeah. Some, let me just give you like my, what I would normally tell my therapist right away to right, a stranger. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I feel like this game, like strangely enough, does have that vibe of like you are a new person in a world that you don't understand at all and it's going to take a really long time for you to feel comfortable there and i really like that experience in the same way that i really liked final fantasy 12 like final fantasy mm, 12 just yeah, yeah, yeah. as we mentioned like had a lot of final fantasy 11 influence uh and 14 in a way you know even though it was you know a couple of years out but like just this idea of we're going to build a full mmo world and let you explore it in a single player capacity this game is that just like more beautiful and like has i think characters that are even more endearing at least at the start um because yeah. final fantasy 12 starts off and then becomes like lord of the rings meets the phantom menace and like that's not for everyone. It was for me, but like, it's not for everyone. And Genshin Impact is so much easier to recommend to people because the world that they've built is just like classic fantasy fair, but it's so like cozy and like heartwarming and like nice to be in that even when there's like a big dragon attacking the city, it's like still a really fun time. I, I really, really am enjoying this game. And I, I, I can't say all of that without also saying like the mechanics monetarily that this game has built in are predatory and bad you know like it is for people yeah. who like have you know not the greatest impulse control when it comes to that kind of stuff um they're like preying on people uh who will spend more money than they want to on on this game and that's probably why they've made as much money as they have and that really is fucking awful and i really wish that there was a version of this game that didn't involve that um so like as much as i am having a really good time with it i really 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 have to stress like if this is the kind of game that you don't think works for you for that reason like do not even download it but uh that said man I like it. It sounds really cool. And I think 
it's nice to hear about a game that is is inspired by Breath of the Wild in this way that isn't like taking the wrong lessons. We talked a lot about games that like focus too much on the arbitrary and not on like what made that game so right. compelling. Yeah. And it sounds like this is taking like bits and pieces and moving in a different enough direction that it's working for you, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's like a straight ripoff the way I saw it described when it first came out. And like even that's even the way I felt when I first started playing. Right. It. Yeah, me too. I, I think the first like 20 to 30 minutes are just like, look at how Breath of the Wild this is. And like as <laughs> right. soon as you get past that, it becomes a completely different thing. And I've really been enjoying that. I also am like really fascinated by this game and i won't talk about this too much but i'm really fascinated by this game from like a business perspective in general because like so many gotcha games like are uh like what we talked about last week like star trek legends for example you know is like a specific like kind of mobile game that has existed for a long time has like just a billion menus that are all like so confusing and like made to lead people towards spending money i mean star trek legends may be a bad example because it doesn't have any in-app purchases but copy paste that to like any of those other kinds of games fire emblem heroes fire emblem uh, heroes is a great yeah. example it's like yeah. a billion menus like a hundred different currencies that you have to keep track of like you ne- you're never really sure what you're doing unless you're like in a discord and on the subreddit for it um, i've got eight crumbs what do i do with these crumbs yeah and, and it's it's built for you know a specific kind of person who's gonna spend a lot of money on it you know like th- those are those kinds of games you know like a uh, f- family guy match three you know like that kind of <laughs> shit um really like like purposefully confusing even like animal crossing pocket camp eventually got to the point where it had like a battle pass you know it wasn't called that but like it was essentially like a battle pass you'd like pay for monthly you know like that's just such a kind of game and it's really interesting to see this developer build what is essentially just like an rpg it's just an open world rpg it it so bucks every trend of those kinds of games with that kind of monetization that like it almost raises the bar for those like compared to like pocket camp you know or compared to fire emblem heroes or whatever like dragon quest tact is a is a recent one that came out you know where like oh yeah here's bits and pieces of the thing you like but like wrapped in monetization this is almost the inverse of that this is like here's everything you would want from a game it's also free and then there's monetization in there if you like get all the way to the end and you want to pay more for it you know and you want specific characters and whatever which i think is like really cool and really scary because like not a lot of yes. not a lot of developers will have the money to make things like this you know like it's much easier to make something like fire emblem heroes than it is to make something like genshin impact but now that genshin impact exists i'm starting to wonder like where is the next like wave of games inspired by genshin impact you know like like i i think this is going to ripple out into becoming like a bigger thing in a way that uh like maybe it was hard to see right when it came out, but like I think in six to eight months, you're going to see another game kind of like this come out and then eventually they'll become normalized the same way like a lot of companies wanted to make a Destiny clone, you know? Right, right. And that makes sense. It, it weirdly, at, at this point in time, it feels almost out of place to have like a gotcha mechanic in a game like Genshin Impact. Right. Which is kind of what you're getting at, where it's like, yes, I actually really love Fire Emblem Heroes, weirdly enough. I haven't played it in a long time. Me but too. I liked I, it a lot. Yeah. When I first picked it up, I was impressed at how, like, it was kind of like a very streamlined version of Fire Emblem, which like made sense on mobile. But yeah, it is like. But it was just the, the combat, you know, it was like just yeah, the right, combat of Fire right. Emblem where like, that's only half of what makes Fire Emblem interesting, you know, like. Ironically, there's a lot of writing, but it's not good. It just sort of like, yeah. what is this? I just think that Genshin Impact like opens the door for something 
more than that, you know, sure. which like yeah, totally is good in one respect, because like this is a game that you could talk about like as a video game and not as like a mobile game in a way, you know, like a mobile right. game in quotes the way like people like are afraid to talk about mobile games in quotes, you know, sure. Yeah. This, this is like a, a full like real ass video game that just happens around on your phone, but like is also available on PC and on PS4 and eventually, as we said, on the Nintendo Switch, like this is like a full open world RPG where you will like collect characters and like meet people and like have a good time and also it's worth mentioning once you hit a certain there, there's a thing called adventure rank that you like level up as you do quests and like find chests out in the world and like discover things when you hit adventure rank 15 you can start playing the game multiplayer also which like takes a while which is interesting that it takes a really long time to unlock multiplayer but you eventually do that and then it becomes a game that you can play with your friends as well um, and like that is so left field for this style of monetization that it feels like the overture you know mm. um oof <laughs> do you think i would like it i think you'd love it yeah, yeah. okay i really do i'll, I'll try I, it I, I think you i think you'll really like it um yeah but the question is like what's the best way to play it right now and i i think the answer is probably like it's not ps4 which you have you know like ps4 is like maybe the most natural place to play it right now but because you're not going to be able to carry your progress over to anywhere else in case you want to check it out anywhere else like and that's a sony problem you know it's a classic sony problem um right it just <laughs> Maybe that's not the case anymore. Maybe they fixed it. But at the moment, as far as I know, you can't carry your progress over from PS4 or elsewhere. So, like, maybe the best place to play it is on your phone. And it does work really well with touch controls. I, I should make that clear. Mm. Like, that's I think they built it for touch controls before anything Would it else. carry over via iPad? Would I be able to transfer my data via iPad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might do iPad. Yeah. I really enjoyed Fantation on iPad. Did yeah. I mention that? <laughs> you, could, you could even connect your Xbox controller to your iPad and then play it that way. Like, that's oh, one way to do it. Oh, man. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Wait, here's the thing is when you play the game I, I, i've played like maybe three to four hours so far you know i'm still like really early on i'm adventure rank nine i'm like waiting to get to level 10 so i can start doing more story stuff but uh at the point that i'm at i've i have four characters that they've given me you know for free and uh those four characters like cover the four like basic elements so i guess like i haven't even really talked about like the game itself in in some avenues but like you're going around the world uh you have these different elements they all interact with each other it's like very combat focused so, like you go out in the world and you like fight enemies and those enemies have elements attached to them and you can like switch at will between the four members of your party and you can do different combos with those characters um that will allow you to like the first character you you get or like the player character has like a wind ability so like you could go and like do like a big wind attack and like a big tornado will show up and then when you you could like in the middle of that combo switch to your fire character who has like a bow and you could shoot like a fiery arrow at that tornado and then it'll like spread a bunch of fire all over the place and like light the ground on fire um things like that like you could like not only do combos as one character but you could also switch between your characters at will and then like stack those elements on top of each other and they'll have different abilities which is like really wonderful right at the beginning of the game i have unlocked four characters who all have like four major abilities and i think there's a couple more elements in there that you could also unlock but like i'm pretty much just cruising through the game with those four characters and i know like i could use the gotcha system and like go pull for more characters that have different elements but like i don't really care yet because like until i run into that 
I'll just keep playing with the four characters it gave me because A, I really like them. I think they're really cool. <laughs> and B, like, why? You know, like, if you're going to let Are me. Are they just... the same for everyone or is it different for each? Yeah, it's the same round. for everyone because, yeah, it's, oh, it's, okay, it's gotcha. like it's four characters who like hang out in the main town that you start in. Gotcha. Um, from what I understand, also, there's like multiple maps as well. Um, so like I'm in the prologue still technically, uh, so I'm in like the prologue area, which is like huge. It is a huge open world. And to know that there's like a second map after that. And I think at this point there might be a third one already is like shocking to be aware of. Uh, cause like right now I'm just going around and doing the side stories for all the characters I've unlocked, you know, like the, like the eye patch guy that I was talking about before, which has been like, just so fun. Cause what I have found so interesting about this game is just like living in the world, talking to people. Everyone has like wild amounts of dialogue trees for some reason. There's so much writing for every character and they're so charming and the world itself is so beautiful. And like they, they've just kind of doubled down on making sure that like the world is gorgeous at all times. It's worth mentioning, big difference from Breath of the Wild. When it's raining, doesn't make it harder to climb. Thank God, you can climb in the rain. My one critique of Breath of the Wild is like, why? Yeah. Why are you making like dial-up waiting speed for me to climb a mountain? Yeah. Please, I can even get past the weapons breaking, but like... Yeah, the slippery mountain? Nah, nah, Awful. That's not it. That's not it. Your weapons don't break in Genshin Impact either. So there's also that, even if that was like a thing that you were against. Game of the year, 2021. (laughs) I... I'm really enjoying this game with the backbone controller specifically. I, I think it's like it's the first time ever I've played a game on my phone and been like, oh, my God, this is like an actual like triple A gaming experience. You know, like Call of Duty Mobile, as I was just talking about, is like almost Fire Emblem Heroes in a way. You know, it's like you're just stripping out like the one thing that people like associate with the actual gameplay mechanics of Call of Duty and just putting that on a phone. Um, and it's surprisingly good at being that, but also has, again, a billion fucking menus and a store that's like a hundred miles long and so many currencies. And like, there's no way to know how you're supposed to unlock stuff. It's just so confusing. I just am like, so here's the thing that I, I bump up against with like mobile games and like the landscape of mobile games in general right now is all of those menus. I think you would know this from Fire Emblem Heroes, um, but like all of these menus and all of these UI elements are so confusing. And like, I, Part of me is like, are they built to be confusing because they lead people to spend more money or are they just confusing because like these companies don't give a shit about how they're building their menus? Because like if you wanted people to spend money, you would make it much clearer how to yeah. do that. Right. Yeah. I don't think you would get more money by making it more confusing. You know, and that seems to be the case right now is yeah. like every single app like that is so wildly confusing when you open up the screen it's like there's a hundred different buttons there and i just want to play the game and it's very difficult to figure out how to do that you know um and that's one of the things i really appreciate about genshin impact is like it just is the game it just is the game i I actually had to go searching for how to use the gachapon mechanic because they never taught me like they just didn't Mm. tell me how to do it i just found it by accident at one point because i was curious about it and i haven't even done like a pull quote unquote like i haven't even tried it yet which is like cool (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. that's that's great maybe maybe when i get to the end of the prologue they'll like teach me how to do it but by the end of the prologue it seems to be like five to ten hours in maybe and like if i get five to ten hours out of this video game and i'm having a great time still like i'll be pretty stoked to do that you know like i'll be fine yeah. with that um yeah. and that's really this give and take here is like how much can i condone this game's monetization you know and 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 still praise it 
is like so up in the air. I mean, it's such like a like a subjective thing, you know. I think it's really yeah. going to be up to each individual how you feel about that. And that's the thing. I mean, a lot of these games make money off a very specific group of people, you know. Like yeah. most people will spend ten to twenty, right? And then there's like five people who will spend a thousand dollars, right? You know, and like it feels like a lot of companies will target those people, and that's very predatory, yeah, and scary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I want to be like clear, like I've seen that in my own friends. Like I, I, I have one friend who I'm thinking of right now who like spent way, way more money than she wanted to on a specific mobile game to the point where it like became a problem. She realized it was a problem. And like having seen her go down that path was like really upsetting and really like put a lot of mobile monetization into perspective for me. So that that's why I'm so, I guess, like on the fence about the way I'm talking about this game. Like as much as I want to gush about it, it, it feels like I keep having to like come back to center and be like, but also there's this. Yeah, it's it's rough. But also, like, I want to recommend it to people who I know would like it. Like, I think you would fucking love this game. Yeah, um, I think my partner it, like this is like built for her. Like, this is like exactly <laughs> the kind of game that she loves. Yeah. But I think there's the one hump you have to get over is like it's a mobile game, which like I think you and I are like far past because we're like into that as a scene. And there's the other hump that we have to get over, which is like, yeah, there's like loot boxes in here and it sucks. Um, What is nice, like one asterisk you could put on that, I guess that's like quote unquote nice is um, because it was developed and released in China. There are like very specific laws in China about uh, loot boxes that mean that you have to like list the exact percentages you have of unlocking certain things. Mm. Um, I don't know how much that helps, you know, because like having a point zero 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 one chance of unlocking this like five star character or something isn't going to prevent people from doing it. But if it prevents one person from doing it, then I'm glad that it's there. You know? Yeah. At least you have context. Yeah. It'll prevent me from doing it um yeah i don't know oh oof the more i'm talking about this game the more i'm like i don't even know how i'm supposed to recommend it to people but uh i think you've done a good job setting up the caveat i mean this is also such a huge hit that so many people love that i'm glad one of us checked it out and gave it a fair shake yeah. You know, I'm glad I, I will say I'm glad I went back to it and like pushed past that part that I wasn't super into. Yeah. Uh, when, once yeah. the world got opened up and I got to the point where it was like, OK, you're your adventure rank seven and you need to be adventure rank 10 to continue the story. Here are all the things you can do to get to that point. I was like, oh, that's what this game is. And then started having a really, really good time with it. This might be overly optimistic because, again, this game has made so much money that you said, you know, this is going to inspire other games like it. And I imagine the monetary incentive is too big to pass up. Yeah. That being said, I do hope one of the influences it has is like, is there a version of this game that doesn't have those purchases? Is there like a, I pay $60 and have this game forever inspired version of Genshin Impact. That's just like other games, isn't it? Right. But I mean, in, in terms of their take on the Breath of the Wild formula, mm. yeah, like okay, obviously, I, yes, I monetarily, saying. right. Yes, this is video games. But I mean, like, <laughs> is there a like team-based RPG in a Breath of the Wild inspired world that is just a standalone game and not a gotcha game? Oh, interesting. I guess, I, yeah. okay, so my, my thought on, I, I guess to be clear, on like the impact that Genshin Impact, whoa, Ow. the influence let's say that Genshin Impact could have is like having regardless of if it's like Breath of the Wild inspired or RPG inspired or whatever but like taking a full console experience and making it free with 
microtransactions in there, you know, because like that's the thing that I think has been missing for a long time. I think that's the thing that like. Well, it's kind of what Fortnite is at a certain point, right? Yeah, absolutely. I th- I, you're right. Yeah. I think I think Fortnite is a good example of that. Fortnite also kind of like charted its own territory, weirdly enough, you know, like Fortnite is kind of its own genre as well. But like the first company to make like like a Diablo, for example, that's like fully free and feels exactly like Diablo, you know, but like has gotcha mechanics or loot boxes or something that'll unlock gear, but you could also get it by like killing the monsters and the bosses in there. Like that's kind of what I'm thinking of, you know, like the the first game that like is not only Call of Duty multiplayer, but is like a full ass Call of Duty game, like campaign and multiplayer or like a destiny that is free from go and is available on your phone, you know, like something like that. Like, I think that those are the kinds of things we're going to start to see over the next like year or two. And I'm very interested to see like what companies take those kinds of financial risks because Genshin Impact being a hit is not a given. I think the game is a hit because it's like good. It's like a good video game. And that's yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. the big thing about it. But another company out there, you you know that this is the case, sees the success of Genshin Impact, sees its fucking deal with KFC that it's doing right now and like McDonald's and whoever else is like down the line and is like, I want a piece of that. And they're going to green light a thing just like Genshin Impact, but maybe in like the first person shooter genre or like a sports genre or something. And it's going to flop so hard. <laughs> And it'll be like that. I I just think that that's going to happen over and over again. Like we're going to see a bunch of people trying to make engine impact and like who knows if it'll be successful. But I think there will be at least one. Monsanto is like, what if we made Candy Crush, but with Peter Griffin's face and it was just different expressions of Peter Griffin. Yeah, That's what will happen. And it's going to be a huge hit. It's going to be a huge hit. Peter Um, Impact. (laughs) Fuck, don't make me make that the episode art. You want to move on? Um, yeah, we can move on. I probably will check it out, and I maybe we'll talk about it again. But um, I would I, lo- I, I would that- love to talk to you more about Genshin Impact yeah. after you played some of it. Yeah. I feel like we're a little bit late to the hype, but that might even work to our benefit in some ways. Cause it's like, that's, I think one of the interesting things. Cause when it first launched, they were being like very, uh, open, I guess you could say, or like very, uh, free about the amount of in-game currency they were giving people. Cause they like, obviously just like wanted to keep all the like early adopters happy and just like shower them with in-game currency so they could keep like getting gotcha pulls. And that's not the case anymore from what I understand. Like, because we're like i think six to eight months out from the release of that game they're like not being as like cool about it um so now i'm playing that version like i'm getting into genshin impact like in that version in their like okay we're in the monetization cycle side now and i'm very curious to see how it feels like when i hit that wall for the first time and they're like oh yeah this will be fine with amber your bow using fire person but it'll be a lot better with this person and it's going to cost you maybe upwards of three thousand dollars to get them don't you want reginald all we need is your social security number yeah please yeah so i i don't know i'm just very interested to see what that feels like when i hit there um but at the moment dude i'm just running around this like really beautiful world loving the music loving the environment i i remember like I, I got through the tutorial or like the, the opening bit um, and they were like, we should go check out this city over here. And I saw this city in the distance and it looked so pretty that I was like sure that there was no way I could actually go there, like just walk there. And then I did. And it was like all part of the open world. And I was so surprised. And that's what I mean. That's what I mean by the influence this game will have. There will be games inspired by this game that aren't gotcha games, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Genshin Impact. I'm going to download it on my iPad and let you know how I like it. I'll let you know how much money I spent. I'll let you know if I get the eye patch guy. That sounds good. Okay. I'm excited about all that. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Steven Hilger. Hello, Brendan Bigley. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> what the fuck do you want? <laughs> I'm sick and tired of this. You actually, you know what I'm going to do right at the top of this segment because we're like halfway into the episode, um, but like not at the end when we usually like say things that are important and announce things, uh, but also most of the people have stopped listening. Uh, I'll, I'll just say right here. <laughs> We announced at the end of last week's episode what our bonus is going to be for this month. And I just thought oh, I'd yeah. mention it here, right smack dab in the middle. We're going to be talking about two wonderful games for the PlayStation 2, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. Very excited. It's going to be awesome. If you have any questions you want to ask for that episode, please send them to us. Uh, we're probably going to be recording like at the latter half of the month, so you still got time. But yes. please send away. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll probably be playing both the PS4 and PS2 versions a little bit. I've beaten both of them. <laughs> but I, I want to <laughs> refresh my memory on like the differences, so I might play both versions of Shadow of the Colossus. So if that frames your questions at all, uh, feel free to use that as an incentive to ask stuff. Yeah. I uh, do not have a working PlayStation 2 anymore, unfortunately, ah! so I will probably be playing the uh, remake, the Blue Point remake of Shadow of the Colossus and then the PlayStation Now version of Ico. On a surface level, I will say the remake is like pretty much the same. There are definitely differences, but like if you were just to compare like the top level experience, I think they're pretty close. Yeah. Same team that did the Demon Souls remake, right? Yes. They're good with it, too. What can they I know say? They, yeah, they know what they're doing. And also, full circle, I think there's a lot you can compare to Shadow of the Colossus with both Breath of the Wild and Monster Hunter. It feels like the like godfather of both series, weirdly. Yes, very much. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Anyway, more on that in a few weeks. It's going to be a fun time. I've never played Ico either. Whatever. Yeah, Tom either. York liked that game. Yeah, I've, I've wanted to play Ico for so long. Me so too. It'll be cool. I have it. Uh, physically. I bought it. So what? The cover art for the U.S. version, though, is really bad. The cover art, like, elsewhere, I think, I guess in Japan and Europe, is, like, really cool art of the two characters running, like, this kind of surreal landscape. Yeah, it's beautiful. And the U.S. art is, like, the kid doing, like, a DreamWorks eyebrow, like, with, yeah. like, a big sword. It's, it's terrible. It's sad. But I'm excited to play it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you want to talk about the game we have planned for today? I would love to do that. Uh, hot on the heels of Genshin Impact, the hottest, newest game. Talking about it right <laughs> when it came out, when everybody's most excited about it. What are we bringing to the table for this last segment, Steven? 2002's hit Metroid Fusion, baby. Yeah. Metroid 4. This is the fourth one. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's officially Metroid 4, which is interesting. Wow. So I like Metroid Fusion for the first time ever, and... I am really, really loving it. So I'm so interested to talk to you about this game. I, I, I just a quick uh, anecdote, not even anecdote, just quick thing on my end. I played Metroid Zero Mission, and that was like my first big foray into Metroid as a franchise, even the Metroidvania genre. And I really loved it and then p played Fusion after and also really loved that. I haven't played them, obviously, in question mark years since, you know, I had a Game Boy Advance that was working, which I do again, which is nice. So maybe you'll convince me to go back and play Metroid Fusion again. But uh, man, I love those games. They really like got me into like that whole sphere of things. Um, yeah, it's interesting because we both love Metroidvanias, but you have a much stronger history with Metroid and I have a much stronger history with Castlevania. Yeah, which like we weirdly complete the genre, Brendan. <laughs> but uh, I embarrassingly have never really played a ton of Metroid. I had Metroid 3 on Metroid Prime 3 on the Wii, mm -hmm. which like was fun i enjoyed it but i eventually kind of moved on um, oh i loved that game 
Yeah, I, I I liked it. I did not love it, to be honest. Yeah. But I, I was also 17. Maybe I was like, prom's coming up. I'm busy. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sure if I revisited it, I'd probably like it more. I did enjoy it a lot. And honestly, one of the better uses of motion controls from what I remember. Yeah, they eventually went and re-released the Metroid Prime trilogy for the Wii. They like ported the other mm. two games over to the Wii and you could play them all on one disc. Um, and that ruled, man. That was yeah. so good. I, I liked Metroid Prime and Prime 2 on GameCube, but playing all three of them in a row with those motion controls was so fucking good, man. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. There there have been rumors of those games coming to Switch for like maybe two years at this point, and I don't know what's <laughs> going on with that, but I really hope that they pull the trigger on it. I have to assume that because Metroid Prime 4 has been in development and then canceled and then started again and Switch Studios and whatever, that like maybe the Metroid Prime trilogy has been like waiting in the wings as like a six months before four comes out you could play all three of them or something but i'm very curious where those are at what i've been really meaning to play for forever speaking of the game preservation and the little nintendo has done super metroid if you have nintendo online is on the super nintendo collection it's good I really want to play that because that is, that seems to be like the one like when people say the term Metroidvania mm-hmm. that genre was created by Super Metroid and Symphony of the Night. Yeah. So like I'm sure there are other factors too but largely credited right. those games. Yeah. Oh man you're going to love Super Metroid. You're going to love yeah, it. Yeah man. It's really good. And what's funny is like from I, I have like a working knowledge of the series based on like my time with Metroid Prime 3 and also like there's a great Game Maker's Toolkit episode about Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. It might be the Boss Keys series because he has another, the, the creator of that channel has another series called Boss Keys. It's all about dungeons. Yep. Either way, the Super Metroid video is awesome. And he, <laughs> I think he has a line at the end of the video where he's like, game completed, genre defined. And like that's like how it ends. <laughs> all that to say, I've always wanted to play more of these games. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I picked up Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance and, uh, weirdly based on my working knowledge of the series this feels like the majora's mask of metroid in a lot of ways yeah you could not have put it better yeah yeah it's absolutely the case i I love 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 this game and like even though it seems like kind of a strange like dark reflection of like super metroid Mm -hmm. it weirdly is a great introduction to the series i think yeah Um, i think so the first couple hours it's also a very short game it's like five to six hours so right for some setup uh metroid fusion game boy advance 2002 it takes place on like some obscure planets like laboratory you go there for like a distress call as samus Mm-hmm. And there's this virus called the X that's spreading around and corrupting animals on the planet. And you go there and there are basically no survivors. And then quickly it, it becomes kind of like an alien isolation setting where like it's really just Samus guided by this AI that's named after her former mentor. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah. alone in the space station and what this game nails is like the atmosphere like right we've talked a lot about game boy advance games using the limited hardware to really nail an art style and this is up there with like one of the coolest looking games and like one of the best like the music in this game is so effective at being unsettling then when suddenly it's like positive you have this like giant sigh of relief mm-hmm. like it is it is like alien isolation but with moments of triumph instead of just mannequins killing you <laughs> 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 um like when you get a power up and you hear like you're like oh my god was that a major chord oh <gasps> like, like, you know, like for a game that's five hours long yeah 
this feels so like rich. It is such a rich game. And I think why it feels like a good onboarding game is like the first hour of a five hour game largely is like an AI being like, okay, go here, do this. Here's your mission. Mm-hmm. Um, you have these abilities. And whenever you pause the game, it shows you the, the map is great. It leaves enough secret that, you know, you're still, you can still discover stuff, but enough like, okay, I know where I've been. I know where I need to go. General vicinity. Yeah. And uh, it starts off pretty simple in that way. And you know, you're fighting these zombies that like the virus, like reviving these weird creatures, yeah. these like strange worms. The alien design is really creepy. Weirdly feels, if I may, a little Castlevania adjacent, some of those zombies. Yeah, a little bit. Yes. This is, I guess, post Metroidvania being a genre. So yeah, this starting to bleed together. And uh, Samus herself has like had this accident where to save her life, they needed to give her like a vaccine that was from a baby Metroid. So like to continue, she needed the antagonist of the series. Yep. uh, Which is a really interesting framing device. And what I really like is like the way, you know, the, the, the enemies and the animations, all that looks really cool. But there are a lot of shots where like there'll be a spaceship flying to a planet and like, it looks very convincing and very, stylistic and then there whenever you go on an elevator to a new area there are these internal monologues from samus Mm -hmm. that just like make this game feel like a really good piece of sci-fi yeah it's a really real cinematic you get these like close-ups of samus's face it feels very noir it almost feels like the venetian blinds in a in a film noir movie like these like really stark shadows along her visor as like as the you know lights on the elevator kind of fly by um we we've we talked a lot about um in in the mother three episode just like how surprisingly cinematic that game can feel at times yeah because it uses cutscenes a lot this is very similar but is almost like actually using cinematic shots you know in in the way that like mother three still kept the same viewpoint at all times you, know, you still have right. that like kind of isometric top down like pokemon adjacent vibe but the the cinematic feel came from dialogue this comes from visuals and 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 uh the mm-hmm. score and like that's so shocking like that of, of all you know i haven't played this game in question mark years but i still think about that when i think about metroid fusion it's just like man they fucking nailed making this feel like an alien movie (laughs) yes and what really adds to that is eventually you meet the x virus has basically made a copy of samus but like in her original suit with her full powers so like what's really fascinating is that and, and i think a lot of viewpoints in this game comment on this we're like in a Metroidvania, you know, Symphony of the Night, for example, begins with Alucard, son of Dracula, uh, <laughs> arriving at a castle and meeting death and death takes away all your powers. So like in the beginning, you're like way overpowered. You're killing everything in one hit. Yeah. And then death removes all your powers and you have to start from scratch. And as you progress, you get more abilities to help you in combat, to help you navigate the environment. Very similar in Super Metroid, um, from what I know. Yep. Uh so in it's this pretty game, much every it's Metroid like, w- game, it's like how they all go. Yeah. Right. So it's like, what if we made the fully powerful version of you, the antagonist? Yes. You know, what if, what if that potential version of yourself was the threat? Right. So like, you know, the game begins, it's like, go here, do this, whatever you're, you're learning the ropes, you're, you know, doing your thing. And then when they introduce the X that has cloned you again, cinematic, there's a shot where they show 
what her face looks like through the visor. It's very creepy. Yeah. And like they do a really great thing similar to Alien Isolation, weirdly. There's a lot of comparisons to that game in this one Mm -hmm. where like eventually Adam, I believe is his name. Yes. uh, The AI is like, if you see uh, the ex who has made you, they they nickname her SAX or Sex. Yeah. uh, Samus X, I guess. If you see SAX, just run. Like don't even bother. Uh, Because we use the baby Metroid as a vaccine for the X virus, you have that weakness to the cold and they have an ice beam. So they will like obliterate you if you run into them. Yeah. Just like keep running. And you know, you, you hear once they, once they tell you that you're like, okay, when are they going to pop up? Go through this environment and it starts happening very slowly where like you might hear very briefly someone in the background. And then once you've reached an objective, they're like, okay, go back to the navigation room. You go back and that entrance is bombed. You can't do it anymore. So you're like, (laughs) they quickly introduce not only is this virus copied you in terms of power, but they are also intelligent and they know exactly where you were going to go and they've delivered leader that option for you yeah so like the first time i saw them on screen and they just look like samus they look like classic super metroid samus i literally gasped and i like stayed as a ball in the corner (laughs) of the screen until they walked off it was really effective like the threat of sax is so well done i will say this game has a couple things that are annoying one they're fairly generous with save point rooms but every now and then there's one that's a little too far that like you have to redo some things yeah and two uh they do zelda logic and not zelda logic with what is breakable so like You'll often be stuck and then just find out, like, oh, I guess I should just bomb the floor arbitrarily. And this is like a secretly breakable thing, which like was a bigger issue in the first Metroid, but it's still kind of an issue here. It isn't it doesn't ruin the experience because so much of this game is like a plus like gold standard stuff. But that that stuff is very noticeable when it like gets in the way of the pacing of what is otherwise I like totally a stellar agree. experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean that 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 is like one of my big pain points with Metroid like as a franchise is like that that constantly shows up because it feels in the same way that like old school arcade games were hard to get people to spend more money, like it almost feels like this kind of stuff was included in the Metroid games as a way to like elongate the playtime. You know, like the yeah. the hours to complete is like, oh, what if we just made this one specific tile breakable but have no visual indicator to let you know so you're just like running around doing nothing for like a long time trying to figure out how to progress and eventually end up on game facts at least that was my experience when i was <laughs> a wee babe yeah, it, it doesn't happen a lot but it happens enough that it is like worth pointing out yeah totally. and like they were probably like, oh this is only a five hour game what can we do to like spice it up like you just said yeah but i think it's actually i love that it's only five hours it's like it's such an effective quick experience it almost was cinematic it's very cinematic in all ways where yeah. it's like you're in you're out and you had this like very effective unsettling environment with like a really great pacing of like the powers you get and and you know the settings and everything about it is incredible i really like this is the game that is getting me into this series and i'm very excited now to go to super metroid and like yeah they finally get to experience like the one of the series totally you know? yeah i i think yeah the thing about metroid fusion that's really interesting and i think you're right on the money comparing it to majora's mask is like majora's mask kind of broke the mold of Zelda like pretty early on, but at like yeah. a really important time, I think for that franchise, cause you had already had the original Zelda on NES and then linked to the past on the super Nintendo and, and, you know, eventually making its way to Ocarina of time, which is like, Oh my God, you did it. You actually managed to make this thing work in a 3d space. Turns out 
that like that exact formula of a Zelda game works perfectly in 3D and like it's the first three or not the first, but like one of the first 3D adventure games. And the obvious choice is to just like do that again for the next Zelda game. And instead they like went and like broke the mold entirely and made this like really like out of the box game where you have to like, you know, live through the same experience over and over again, poke at all the edges and see what's possible. Strangely enough, that is the norm for Metroid. Like the thing that Majora's Mask is doing from a gameplay perspective is the norm for what other Metroid games are. Like a lot of it is about like going and exploring all of the rooms that you haven't seen to see which one has the path that you can go out and go and continue through. And Fusion is the inverse of that. Fusion is the Ocarina of Time, is the link to the past, is the whatever. Where like it is maybe you don't feel this currently, but if you play the other ones, you really will. Fusion is the most linear of all of those games. It's the most cinematic of all those games until you get to like prime and stuff. But in terms of like the 2D Metroid games, like Fusion is the one that is leaning the hardest on like trying to tell a story and doing it effectively. And I think it nails it. I think it does an incredible job on like all fronts. It is good at doing all of that stuff. And honestly, I think if you were to look at prime and like what is the blueprint for prime and prime two and prime three, Fusion is like the one that I think you could like draw a direct line to because because as soon as they got into Prime, like two specifically, like Prime two is where Dark Samus shows up, you know, and like, right. If that's not just the Samus or the SAX that you run into in Fusion, then like, I don't know what is. Um, yeah, right. I, I I think that Fusion is like a really interesting next step for that franchise. Um, and, and it doesn't surprise me a whole lot that we haven't seen a whole lot of other 2D Metroid games since then. Because it's it's so good and like I just don't know. Yeah, how do you one up it? I don't know how there you one up Samus it. Was Samus Returns to the 3DS? Right. Samus that Returns to 3DS is a remake of Samus to, or, or is a remake of Metroid Two. Um, oh, I see. Gotcha. So it's it's like not even like a new one, really. I mean, it it's good. I liked it a lot, at least as a fan of the franchise. But like Fusion is like kind of the last one, you know. And and then a- yeah. after that, they started going into the first person direction with with the Prime series and like even the one on on DS. What was that? Metroid Prime. Hunters, you know, like same deal was like, what if we turned into a, like a multiplayer arena shooter? It's like Metroid Quake edition or something. <laughs> I don't know. They, they wow. just like haven't gone back to that in a long time. And I'm wondering like when Nintendo is going to like try and dip back into that, because I think I think Fusion like to me set up what could be a really interesting future where they like focus more on on that cinematic vibe and like how do we elicit horror, like actual horror in a way that I think yeah. the other games like don't really like they're able to create tension, but they don't create horror and i think fusion is like actually scary at times um, it is i mean there's re- i compared it to alien isolation more than once so like absolutely yeah. similar atmosphere yeah. there are moments that I, I at least based on what you've just told me you definitely haven't run into yet that are gonna like actually fuck you up um, oh no <laughs> there there's there's like more than there's one specific boss fight that i'm thinking of that is like just an actual nightmare um, and then the other couple times you like run into SAX that I don't want to like spoil in any capacity um, are like even more terrifying than the ones you've already run into. That game is just paced so well, man. I mean, the, it being five yeah. or six hours is like perfect length. They know exactly what to do with that length. They get in, they get out and it's great. Um, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. And I and I hope that when you're done with it, you go and check out Zero Mission because that that was my first Metroid game. And like, oh, yeah, I definitely will. honestly. I, and this is the case with, I think, a lot of Game Boy Advance stuff. I mean, you, you and I, weirdly enough, we're just talking about Nightmare and Dreamland, the Kirby game, right before we yeah. started recording. 
like that to me is a much better version of the original. It's like exactly what you would hope for in a remake, you know, like uh, Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland, I guess just for context, it's a remake of the original Kirby game, Kirby's Adventures. But for the Game Boy Advance, Metroid Zero Mission is a remake of the original Metroid, but for the Game Boy Advance is like so far and away a better version of that game to play than the original. I, I think you'll really like it if you like fusion as much as you do, because they, they do a lot of similar things. They add a lot of that like cinematic feel to it. It's cool. Yeah. I'm really excited. And it's also like we, we recently did a bonus about Mother 3 and like I feel like Metroid and Mother 3 are like the two big like ignored series by Nintendo. Yeah, they're on that list. Yeah. I don't think Nintendo localizing Mother 3 like makes a ton of sense today. Yeah. I do think there's like a giant void for a good Metroid because this genre is so alive and is going to so many new places with like Ori and Hollow Knight. And totally. And, you know, like there could totally there is a place for Nintendo to continue to break the mold with that series and with that genre, even. Yeah. Whether it's first person or not. And the the same way that we looked at um, A Link Between Worlds on the 3DS and saw like, oh, man, this is maybe a potential future for what the Zelda franchise could be. And then we got Breath of the Wild. And as you and I talk about all the time, it's like the wild area in Sword and Shield just like screams like something new for Pokemon. And now we're getting Pokemon Legends. I always saw Samus Returns on the 3DS as a potential future for that franchise, like make a 2D, I guess to to, uh, put a little more context in there. The 3DS Metroid game, Samus Returns, it is a remake of Metroid 2, but they change so much about how that game plays mechanically that it ends up being really focused on combat and has an almost like Bloodborne-esque adjacent combat system. It's really fascinating. It's really cool and feels like a potential like next step for that franchise in the 2D space. And it's wild to me that there hasn't been another one since then. Because like that game was really good. It was at the like tail end of the 3DS life cycle, so nobody played it. It just like just bring that game to Switch or do something new with those exact mechanics and people will go wild for it. Like yeah. the f- me and the six other people who work at Nintendo who played that game already loved it. I, f- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if they, if they move that over to, uh, to other stuff, like a new game, um, people would love it in the same way that like hollow Knight, you know, is a Metroidvania that is solely focused on like, a, a, like a combat and exploration kind of side of things. That's what Samus Returns felt like, you know, just like years before Hollow Knight came out, or maybe it was even the same year. Now that I think about it, I don't even know. But anyway, uh, I, I just want to see where this franchise goes. I want them to bring it back. I, I am not the kind of person who, you know, like mother fans are like, you know, dying for it to come back. You know, it's kind of just like a, if it does, it does. And if not, I can go back and play the old ones and I'll still have a good time because they're great. But uh, I, I, I'd like to see it. And it's nice to know that Metroid Prime 4 is, you know, in the works and is maybe on the way. Yeah, that's cool. I'm excited for that. Yeah, man. But either way, I'm just like, there's a whole new frontier of these older games that I've yet to play. So I'm very, very excited to finally play Super Metroid. It's embarrassing that we have a video game podcast and I haven't played Super Metroid. It just feels like, you know, it's just such a classic that I need to play. But yeah, I, I am now a new Metroid fan. Thank you, Metroid Fusion. <laughs> I had a great time. Let me know when you play Super Metroid, when and if. Because I mean, A, as we mentioned, or maybe we didn't mention, I don't know. It's on the Nintendo Switch online thing, so you can go play it whenever. Yeah. Let me know when you do that, because I'd love to go replay that game. Because last time I played oh, that yeah. game was when they added it to the Wii Virtual Console. Oh, and right on. So I, I would love to go back and 
play it again. Yeah, well, you know, there's honestly, uh, you know, credit where credit's due, this is Super Nintendo Virtual Console is pretty good. Like overall, like there's a lot yeah. of like the big classics of Super Metroid, Link to the Past, Yoshi's Island, Super Mario World. They're all there. That's awesome. Right. But you know, what's stopping you? Why is Prehistoric Man in there? <laughs> What's stopping you from, you know, just having the ability to like, I would, this might be a hot take, but I would rather have none of that for free and just have that all on the e-store for like $10, you know? Yeah. Each is what you mean, right? Like, like pay 10 bucks for Super Metroid. Yes, exactly. I'd rather yeah. like pay more to have the ones I want and have more options than just to have all that for free. But it's like five classics and prehistoric man. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Which again, I have not played prehistoric man, but I am just gonna take a, a estimated guess. So, sorry, <laughs> it's all the gonna... prehistoric man fans out there, but you know, yeah. e- easy scapegoat when uh, we <laughs> we haven't had a Nintendo uh, Super Nintendo online update in months, and what we get is prehistoric man. Every now and then when you and I want to talk, we don't know what to say. We'll just send each other a video. What you recorded zooming into prehistoric man <laughs> on the library. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. Every time I open up the, the <laughs> Super Nintendo online thing and the top of the list is prehistoric man. Cause it's the newest game. I'm just like, what are you doing? Nintendo? <laughs> what are you doing? Why is it this? Did you have like uh, like a bunch of games on a dartboard? Like, okay, here then here's the next one. Every six months, throw one dart, <laughs> and wherever it lands, that's the one. Yeah. Okay, know. Super Tennis, cool. And six months, throw it again. Yeah, I did go and play Super Punch Out again recently on there. I mean, the, like you said, that library is pretty good. I, I'm glad that it exists. It's cool. Um, yeah. I I I hope that eventually we see some kind of switch uh there in terms of like that business model i'm hoping that like maybe come e3 time now that we know that nintendo is like taking part in whatever this virtual e3 thing is going to be um that like maybe there's some big fucking announcement about how they're going to like bail on that and like create a real virtual console or something i don't know Um, or have both i mean you know why not if nintendo online is sort of like an arbitrary bill anyway keep the free stuff and then just add the other stuff to the store yeah yeah I, i would be happy with that I feel like works. I feel like the way the Aether works is anything we talk about comes true unless it's Nintendo where anything we talk about doesn't come true. <laughs> I, I just I just feel like I feel like somebody's job at Nintendo is to listen to this podcast and to make sure everything we say doesn't happen. <laughs> what what I'm trying to think of what our big Nintendo predictions were that have just not come true. All of them. I have never predicted a correct <laughs> thing about Nintendo. AJ famously in our group chat between the three of us once was like, uh, get, guessing what Nintendo is going to do next is a fool's errand. And I think about yeah, it all the time. Really Anytime is. we talk about it Nintendo really on or off the show, I'm just like, there's no reason to try and predict what they're doing. Nothing makes business yeah. sense or Sony regular sense. <laughs> Sony is very comfortable not changing at all. Microsoft is constantly changing and we hope it works out. And Nintendo's doing whatever. Yeah. Those are your chaotic <laughs> alignments. I think I'm a I'm a Sony son. <laughs> but, but a Microsoft rising. I'm definitely a Nintendo moon, I'll tell you that much. I think I think um, you're a Nintendo moon too, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm a Sega gen I'm a Sega Dreamcast <laughs> okay. rising. <laughs> Anyway, you want to? I only up? make bad Sonic games. <laughs> I'm a Sonic Team Rising, <laughs> uh, Neopets Moon, yeah. and oh uh, man, uh, <laughs> let's wrap, let's wrap up, please. Uh, Ball and Wonder World now available for Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a CDI Zelda Rising. <laughs> Fuck. Excuse me, princess. Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. <laughs> Somehow. If you like the show, go to ballinwonderworld.com. 
Not sure. Adrian, cut that. Uh, <laughs> no, go to ballandwonderworld.com. <laughs> Give them hits. <laughs> you want to wrap up? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like at any moment I'm going to like pull the cable out of my microphone like a ripcord. <laughs> it's like you smashing guitar at the end of the set. You're going to smash your microphone yeah. at the end of an episode, but no one can see. Um. Hey, dear Hi, listener. Thank you so much listener. for listening to the show. Um. <laughs> Steve and I have been recording for four hours and 43 minutes. Whoops. Um, looking at the Skype call at the moment. Um, anyway. We had a good time. We had a great time. We had a great time recording. Uh, hopefully you had a great time listening. If you like the show, as we always say, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. Uh, a lot of you have been doing that. A lot of people have been joining the Discord recently uh, because they heard about the show from friends. A lot of people are just saying nice things about the show in general. So thank you all so much for listening and for saying nice things. Thank you. Um, really cool. You can go to Into the Cast online for our links to uh, everywhere. That's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch. Um, Steven has been streaming his Pokemon Emerald Nuzlocke a bunch. You can watch that on YouTube as well if you can't make the live streams. Um, the link to the Discord is also there if you want to join there. And uh, yeah, we also have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash into the cast and join there. If backing the show affects you negatively financially in any way, please do not back the show. You have to cancel or uh, lower your donation amount for literally any reason. It's very okay. Please do that. We are in favor of that. But thank you all so much to everybody who's backing the show at the moment. And uh, as we say every week, it's just like a pleasure to make the show. We like it a lot. Uh, I look forward to it every week. It's probably worth mentioning that we're probably not going to be able to record next week, which means it's going to feel like 18 months between yeah. <laughs> our, our recording <laughs> session. So expect when we come back for that to, episode to be packed with something. Yeah. Unleashed in some way. Unhinged. Yeah. Next week we're taking off. That's right. Next week's my birthday. So I want to have a good time. Next week is Steven's birthday. Um, <gasps> so... Uh, we're taking off. Uh, I'm, I'm also not going to be around, uh, so I'm not going to be able to play as much stuff to talk about on the show anyway. So uh, expect just one hell of an episode when we come back. Steven will be <laughs> one year older and I will be vaccinated fully. That's so exciting. Yeah, I, th- I think my second shot is the 28th. So yeah. early May, I will be all good, which is a lot to process, to be honest. Yeah, man. Uh, we talked about it before recording, but um, hey, all that aside, uh, thank you so much for listening. We love you. We will be back soon. We've got the bonus plan for this month, Ico and Shadow the Colossus. We also may or may not have the bonuses planned for the next two months. And I am bur- every day that passes <laughs> bursting at the seams to not tell you what is planned for the season four premiere. Oh, yeah. That's going to be so fucking cool. I'm just going to, I don't want to hype it up too much, but I'm so excited for it. Yeah. It's going to be great. Me too. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be really fun. Um, I've I've been having a great time prepping for it. Yes, Um, me too. All right. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) Okay, see ya. (laughs) So long.